So, yeah, as one of the growing genre of collapse-oriented podcasts, and as It Could Happen Here just went into in their September 2nd episode, we just got significantly closer to the cliff's edge this past week. Yep. So, what did we roll this time? (sighs) So, who had five, like, decrepit assholes on the Supreme Court have decided to kick off the largest wave of evictions in American history? I did. I honestly, I figured something like this was going to happen. There definitely were noises, but it's just, you know, this is like one of those great moments where you're discovering that actually, yes, the aristocrats of yesteryear really were that fucking stupid because the ones of the present have equal degrees of (laughs) self-awareness. I'm remembering that whole meme about how, no, in, um, in Roman times, things really were that bad. It wasn't just... I mean, paradoxically, it's like a lot of people see uh, in that scholarship seem to think, oh, you know, it's exaggerations by their political enemies. And it's like, well, I mean, I'd buy that if recent history hadn't proved you wrong on this. (laughs) They really are that stupid and venal. (laughs) At this point... I will absolutely believe that the account from Suetonius of Caligula launching a war against the sea and ordering his legions to slash their swords into the English Channel vigorously was a very accurate and balanced, objective depiction of historical events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. I mean... Because this is... <laughs> this is good isolation of city. God! Damn it! <laughs> welcome. This certainly to... isn't the same neighborhood. Yeah. So yeah, welcome to Chop Shop Economics. Oh, we're reading this shit, so you don't have to. Though you really should read about this shit. <laughs> you really should. Don't just <sighs> take it from us, please. Yep. And with you for this week's dive into madness is Doc Spider. Hello. And me, Miss Silver. <sighs> yeah, this is... Yeah. It's... I can't even. This is... Hi, we're putting millions of people at risk of homelessness during a pandemic and an economic crisis that is still unfolding, by the way. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean... Everyone on, you know, Team Biden was so excited for, like, you know, the economy to not be, you know, completely on fire. Um, And it's like, 
honestly, don't say we didn't tell you so. Because, yes, because we did. Like, this was, like, you know, we tried to be fair, but, I mean, there's not a lot you can do when things really are this stupid. And I would like to point out that we have been very consistent in this podcast to shake the pom-poms whenever Joe Biden has done something cool involving organized labor, which... In yes. fairness, has been more than we expected, and ha- he's probably done that more in the past, you know, since inauguration than Barack Obama and Bill Clinton did combined, so... Yeah. I mean, credit where credit's due, but... Just it- in case some, like, resistance shit lib is gonna start, like, losing their shit over us being critical of the great savior... Of the American Republic. I mean, look, he had an uphill battle, okay? And, like, you know, you gotta acknowledge the reality, which is that, you know, this wasn't gonna work. Like, you could take whatever heroic measures you want, but at the end of the day, like, fuck he he did as well as anyone could and granted he could have probably done a lot more given the constraints of our sorotic broken ass government i mean he did a lot but and especially the fact that he's like absolutely terrified of offending the New York Times op-ed page. So, of course, he wasn't going to do something unserious like make just shy of 2 trillion dollars worth of student debt disappear with the stroke of a pen. Yeah. Like ultimately what this comes down to is <sighs> the Dems are enslaved to norms. We all know this. And Basically, you know, there was no, nobody was going to be able to, like, wave their wand and fix this. But, you know, there were people who would have, there were absolutely people who would have tried harder. It's just this, this crisis has been a very long time in the making. I'm I know, I'm one of those weirdos who's like, you know, Brenwoods and all that was the start of the current crisis. Everything ultimately traces back to 1973. Um, you know, with the death of Valende, you know, the prophecy, the thread of prophecy has been severed and all that. But, I mean, it's like, he wasn't going to unfuck 50 years of neoliberalism. Not even Bernie Sanders could have done that. No. Like, Bernie Sanders would have probably responded to this Supreme Court ruling with, and granted, you know, Biden did say some, like, ferocious things. Like, I'm pretty sure the main difference between the Biden and the Bernie responses is Bernie would have probably been something along the lines of, PISTOLS AT DAWN! (laughs) And I will at least give John Roberts the credit for voting with the minority i mean i could totally see the guy like 
tearing his hair out as he's screaming at in like the portrait gallery for previous chief justices shouting i will not be roger tawny yeah (laughs) yeah but it's just this uh, they pretty much telegraphed that this is what they were gonna fucking do and so it's here the the eviction moratorium the federal one is dead at the very least until you know the legislature gets off its ass and does another one which given how things have gone so far i don't find very likely certainly it's not going to be in time to matter so what is all this if you've been sleeping under a rock why is this such a huge deal why are we freaking out uh, yeah, this was, in some ways, it's not a surprise. Yeah. This was the concern that was being voiced by everybody from Jeff Stein on down. Yeah. Like, it's just... That the Biden administration isn't any way surprised by this well like no one really should be of course and that they haven't prioritized getting this through or -hmm. doing something like tacking it on to previous legislation like the previous like here's some extra check money bill that they passed earlier in the year it just shows an incredible lack of awareness and just like the thing that just really sinks at home as to just how awful this is and what kind of fucking ghouls it is we're talking about here is in the text of the majority where one of the reasons why the Supreme Court argued to chuck the eviction moratorium is, and this is again care of Jeff Stein who, I'm not going to speculate on what is politics are he writes for the washington post so he's probably fairly mainstream but he has been a pretty consistent like finger on the pulse of what federal economic policy is looking like particularly because he's been staring into that abyss since the trump administration and providing some really just brilliant reporting from when COVID started on to the present day about the latest madness um he also liked one of our gifts once which was great so uh, yeah. he called out this specific segment in an August 30th tweet where the Supreme Court presents the following argument for why this would be bad. Quote, could the CDC, for example, mandate free grocery delivery to the homes of the sick or the vulnerable? require manufacturers to provide home computers to enable people to work from home order telecommunications companies to provide free high-speed internet service to facilitate remote work i (sighs) i i just fuck it god damn it
Okay. All right. I'm better now. Um, <laughs> I can do this. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, Welcome yeah. back. God that... damn. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, yeah. yeah I just... Yeah. In extremis, yes. This, I mean, what if it wasn't, you know, just a regular ass coronavirus? What if it was, you know, like, you know, super zombie virus or something? Like, would this really be the time to be arguing about how to take care of things? No, you just do, you just do the thing. You just do the thing whatever it takes to sustain human civilization and worry about settling up later. But this crisis doesn't seem bad enough to do that. Apparently. I mean, never mind that I would actually be okay with all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I feel like, you know, maybe we should have done all those things. Maybe we should have, you know, vested that authority in the CDC to be like, no, we're going to we're going to shut down the economy for a few weeks, a few months, whatever it takes to, like, basically stop the virus in its tracks, you know, using whatever emergency powers are available. I mean, it's like these things could have been done, but they weren't because it would be inconvenient. It would make lines sad. Um, and rainworms. Mm-hmm. And so Lots it's like, yeah, this is this is what we're gonna get instead. <sighs> yeah, and it's like the CDC COVID eviction moratorium. Full disclosure was not the only thing that was keeping people in their homes during this crisis. There is a whole patchwork of eviction moratoriums at the local, state, and county level all over the country of varying degrees of effectiveness and comprehensiveness. Yeah. So it's not like this means, therefore, you're fucked. Just go out and stand in a field because that's going to be your new house. But it does mean... If you are in a jurisdiction where the CDC moratorium was the only thing keeping you in your house, which probably is also a jurisdiction that is actively terrible to tenants and renters and anyone with a mortgage and, you know, people whose names do not start with, I have a cool 10 million in the bank. Mm-hmm. And a private lobbyist, you know? Yeah. Like, this is... If you are not just an owner of land, but you are a landlord, you... If you aren't one of those people, then you have no power here. Like, I've lived in states that are like this, and it's like... This is going to fall disproportionately on them. This is going to fall on people who, like who objectively speaking have no say in how their state is run. Like I'm going to let y'all in on a little secret. Machine politics is alive and well in the periphery. Like 
the reason people vote Republican is because, yeah, there are, like, loyalist supporters. But also, it's because, one, the machine inclines you to vote that way. So, like, do you really, if you're in on the power structure, do you really want to go against them? And two, if you're if you're outside that power structure, you you don't get a say. Like the establishment in the area will pick whoever they goddamn well please. They hold the formality of an election so that, you know, the feds don't pay too much attention to them, but everyone knows who, that you're you're basically I mean, voting for a Republican. You're going to vote for whoever, you know, the the powers that be have decided. Or you're not going to vote. Like, that's, that's basically how things are decided in a lot of this country. And... <laughs> that's even the case in ostensibly blue states where mm -hmm. you know maybe it's less obvious but you absolutely have like Tammany Hall style political machines yeah. from like say for example in California San Francisco all the way up to the state house and the uh, senate delegation in DC and everything in between yeah like they're the you know, the names are different, the professed policies are different, but it's basically the same machine politics where if you don't, if you don't uh, play, you don't pay, you don't, then you don't get any representation. Like, that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. Like, this is how a lot of the country is run. So, like, the shit libs who are going to be like, oh, well, you know, they should have just voted Democrat. It's like, that's not how these places work. People genuinely just don't vote. And they're not going to vote because they have discovered that it is a waste of their time. Especially when their choices are things like, hi, we're going to run Amy McGrath. Sorry, McGrath against... Mitch McConnell. Yeah. yeah. The so-called Trump Democrat, whose entire campaign boiled down to, I was in a fighter jet. Yeah, I was in a fighter jet on 9-11. And that's, that's basically, you know, her entire mythos. And, like, that's no wonder nobody voted for her. Like, she doesn't offer anything that people want. She's just, you know... Diet McConnell. And it's like, you know, people like that, they don't care about your, you know, vote scavenging arguments about how, oh, we need to bump, you know, the majority leader out. Like, they, they don't follow that. They don't care about that shit. All they care about is, you know, you, you offer, like, real McConnell and fake McConnell, and that's it. And so, yeah, people are going to either vote for real McConnell or they're just not going to vote. Because, you know, who is this woman? I mean, I mean, even Booker had more of an establishment than Amy fucking McGrath. McGrath was par parachuted in. 
and it's like that everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and that's what is... So that's kind of what we're looking at for the jurisdictions that are going to get hit the worst by this. Because, guess what? By the way, evictions never really stopped. There were legal and illegal evictions happening even in California during the height of COVID and lockdown. So it's not like even places where this did exist, it was totally comprehensive. But even so, the CDC order was still a hell of a lot better than nothing. And now there's a lot of people who are about to find out what that nothing looks like. And let's just say the numbers are really not pretty. And to be clear, when we're getting into these numbers, there's going to be a lot of caveats and footnotes and asterisks and various other things to denote this is an estimate to be taken with mm. a grain of salt. Yes. The one thing we probably did not make clear before this was the 2.5 to 3.5 million number they keep kicking around. That is not total numbers of people. That's a household figure. We're more comfortable talking in terms of people. So. It's also, to be clear, mm -hmm. a very vicious bit of sleight of hand. Yes. To do it by household. Because a household, you know, conventional economics, you're talking a married couple with 2.5 children. Yeah. Nobody has 0.5 children, but, you know, maybe that's your cat. But leaving that aside, the, I mean, this is spherical cow shit here. So, um, the, leaving all that aside for a minute, like, the fact that one of the sources we're going to be referring to, actually, most of them are referring to this as households instead of people, is really telling. Yeah. And I did not spot this. I don't think a lot of us did spot this. This is why it's an effective sleight of hand. Because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, even 1% of the population is not that much. But when you're talking about a household figure that averages out to like, you know, 3.5 to 4.5 people a piece. Yeah. That's significantly worse. Yeah. The household figure is mostly useful if you're like comparing against like actual units, but in terms of human impact, yeah. So, I guess yeah, we should get into the numbers. Yep. So, the numbers we have, again, starting some important baseline figures, is it is currently estimated approximately 3.5 million households mm -hmm. in the United States are currently being kept in their homes by the CDC eviction moratorium. And when we're talking this 3.5 million households, you have to keep in mind this is a very narrowly constructed number. 
in that to qualify for the CDC protections, you have to have exhausted all available forms of rent relief, be behind on your rent to the point that you're about to be thrown out in the street, and it has to be due to stuff that is directly related to COVID, such as job loss. Mm. Or the chud governor of your state canceling unemployment extensions things like that yes you know things that can be directly connected back to covid and everything it's been doing and you have to be in extremely dire straits at that so this 3.5 million households is a small slice of the much larger rent and eviction crisis that's facing america to give a sense of context when we're talking about that there are multiple credible studies that you can google this go ahead look it up um that argue somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 million american individuals are one missed paycheck away from being evicted Which, when we throw in the household number, that still is about three times the number of people that are protected by the CDC moratorium. Yeah. And so what we're looking at here is very much... um, There's all kinds of estimates floating around as to how many people are going to be affected um for a very conservative estimate um robert evans on his twitter feed threw out 550,000 people which seems a bit low to me um it's also the estimate he went with on it could happen here yeah like all of the people who you know, after a rough patch, they eventually find housing again, find a long-term living situation that can work. Um, and, you know, let's subtract that from the people who are, to get, like, the people who are left over. 550k. Which is a bit low. I mean, I can see also why he's lowballing because he is running a podcast that by his own admission, he's trying not to go full Doomer, and he's trying to be inspiring people with hope, and I think that... I don't think he's keeping the number low for anything related to that reason. I think it's more that he's trying to avoid looking like a man standing on a street corner with a placard shouting out about the end of the world. Yeah. I mean, that's our beat. That's our so, beat. So... Um, he'll just have to find a nurse she to stand on. <laughs> We've already got this one, damn it. Yep. But, I mean, as as things go, I think that that's a reasonable... Uh, that's a reasonable lower bound. Um, let's see. Go. It also kind of fits generally with his tendency and analysis to play it safe yeah yeah um and what uh, the probable derivation for that figure 
is like basically take the homeless population and double it. I won't say that that's, you know, the full estimate. Um, but in net terms, like even just a, a simple doubling of the homeless population is itself kind of a national crisis. Like, we can barely ha uh, handle having 550k people, um, you know, counted as homeless. Like, And it is really critical to stress that even that number of people being thrown out in what would be the space of at most a month mm -hmm. out of their homes into the street would be literally the largest mass unhousing of American citizens in history. Yeah. Period. The only reason why this is not literally happening right now is because it is nighttime as we are recording this on the West Coast. So the cops have gone home, gone to bed. Most of them. Assuming they're not like cashing a stupid amount of overtime. Doing yeah. something awful to somebody's dog. Yes. Yes. But in terms of the day-to-day -day eviction um, performance, they are they are done for the day, but that doesn't mean they'll be back at they won't be back at it tomorrow. Like this is happening right now. And we don't we don't know how bad it's gonna be, but <sighs> Yeah. Oh, so the other number we've got is, and this is where the household's figure and the household's term becomes really important, comes from our very good friends at Goldman Sachs. <laughs> Fuck. Who, it has to be said, we have cited their projections and predictions before, because they are a pretty good barometer of where Wall Street's head is at on any given day. Yeah. Like, the whole point of, you know, actually consuming their shit is not, like, the, these are the lies they tell their friends, but knowing what, what lies they're telling their friends is actually kind of important, because it, you know, it shapes what they're gonna do, and it shapes, you know, the general direction of the market. Like, if they're puffing each other up, being like, oh, this is only going to be 750k households. Like, you know, there's going to be some churn. Um, a few a few of you who went all in on housing are going to be taking some L's or at least cycling through some inventory, but you'll be fine. Um, we promise. Yes. <laughs> Buy more housing bonds. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't be surprised if they're preparing another report right now that says, hey, here's a whole bunch of holding companies to put your money in because they're going to be going off the fucking chain. <laughs> Pretty much. And so it's like, you know, 750k households, that seems mm, that's a good bit higher than the, you know, original number. But... Basically, that's like, that's their figure for how many people are going to be evicted this fall and winter is 750k households. So we're talking, you know, the next two quarters. Well, next quarter and a half, really. 
we're almost done with Q3. <laughs> And once we do the math, that 750k households comes to something like one and a half to two million people. Mm-hmm. Approximately. Yeah. One thing, one thing, um, that I did know. households. <laughs> fucking households. <laughs> yeah. One thing I noticed in that same article was the Census Bureau, surprisingly, has some numbers. And... Theirs is 1.3 million people are very likely to get evicted in the next two months. Um, the report that's drawn from estimates that more than 2.2 million people applied for rental assistance through state or local governments, and ear did not hear back or were denied. Like the that whole um, debt relief, payment relief program that was supposed to you know fix everything much of it did not get dispersed um much of it is still you know somewhere in never never land um waiting for waiting for the state and local bureaucracies to like get moving on requesting the money and getting it from the tenant to the landlord and getting the landlord to actually accept it because in some cases landlords are just basically refusing um you know mostly like smaller players who are like oh this is personal um they're like you know they're basically refusing the rental assistance money um to settle the debt which is you know majorly fucked up but unfortunately typical but yeah so that's kind of generally what the other numbers are that are floating around out there mm -hmm. which brings us to the chop shop number and it is really 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 important to emphasize when getting into this number that again this is an estimate this is an estimate that takes into account other folks estimates mm -hmm. and it also takes into account the stuff we don't know the most important thing we don't know is and i'm not sure anyone actually knows this we haven't been able to find it yet and to our knowledge this hasn't like hit the press because if it has and someone does have this number it would have been everywhere that number is how many of these people at risk of eviction have some kind of fallback option whether that's a couch a bathtub somebody's garage whatever that they can sleep in or stay at even a slumlord who you know doesn't care about the credit risk and is willing to you know charge them out the ass for it like you know that's in the middle of the crisis that's kind of an unknowable number but it's not like that number really existed. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, let's be real. The United States government couldn't properly keep track of literal sacks of money in Afghanistan. And that was stuff that was under the jurisdiction of the Department of the Executive Branch that 
gets <laughs> fuck you here's my money tree levels of cash on a daily basis so that they couldn't keep track i mean maybe it's because they just had so much money that they of course you're going to misplace a couple billion dollars in unmarked bearer bonds sure yeah, of course a few connexes are going to go missing with pallets of cash inside them. <laughs> I mean, we knew about that shit happening for, like, years. It just didn't get talked mm-hmm. about very much in the media. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, and that's, you know, that's a part of the government that has actual money mm-hmm. and resources to allegedly track this shit and you know you yeah um, go ahead y'all can this is the time to laugh now at how little in the way of stuff is rendered available (laughs) to tracking things like how many soon to be evicted american citizens have a fallback option or residents of the country what have you have a fallback option in case they get thrown out of their house that's readily available and on tap yeah like basically what you're basically looking for would be like a short-term homelessness number and it's like that's you know difficult enough to calculate given our you know historical ability to count um that's you know something we're not particularly good at tracking in stable conditions i have no idea what it would look like but it's not going to be high enough for for this to work out yeah and so that's kind of how we arrived at our chop shop calculation of assuming and this is a very generous estimate Mm -hmm. that approximately half of all of these households at risk half of these 3.5 million households have something available have an on tap they've found a cousin or a work buddy or someone somewhere that they can go that still leaves us at 1.75 million households give or take a couple hundred thousand here or there who are absolutely going to be fucked and that is again you know times three or four per household so I think of the estimate of 2 million people is a nice lower bound, given those constraints and given what we know. Yeah. I mean... Which would be four times the size of the current estimated homeless population in the United States of around 500,000 people. Never mind that that number's probably low. Mm-hmm. That That's still what that means. Yeah. Like... I think we're staring at more than 1.3 million, um, which is the Census Bureau number. Um, I don't know by how much more, but I think 2 million is a reasonable estimate. 2 million, 3 to 4, in the worst case, I, I don't know, because, like... 
there's not enough data to like figure out how much how much resilience, how much slack is still left in the system. There's obviously still going to be some, like, you know, we're not that far gone, but I think this is going to pretty much use it all up. Yeah. I just... This is... Yeah. Ugh. They're really, like... Like, this is simply atrocious there is no other word for what this represents what this means what like that if we're going to take the robert evans low end num really low end number that still would be a humanitarian crisis of approaching great depression levels of horror yeah I mean, it's like, I don't know enough to estimate, like, you know, how many of these, you know, 3.5 million households are going to remain homeless. Because, again, the thing with households is, like, they're useful for some statistics and useless for others um, in terms of quantifying the impact. But, I mean... A lot more households going homeless? That that's pretty that's really bad. Yeah, and also one thing that we really wanna bold highlight and underline here in all this discussion is when we're talking low end two million more people homeless, that is two million more people homeless as a direct consequence of the Supreme Court deciding that this past week was a great time to go for the twofer on topping Dred Scott. Yeah. And like, just that. Yeah. I mean, it's like one has but, to start wondering if the system is trying to commit suicide or something. Because, yeah, there's we don't have a solid number on this one, mm -hmm. but it is fair to say that if large numbers of people get evicted in particular communities, it will depress the local economy because even if folks are doing literally the fucking Fox News caricature of what people on state assistance do, that would still mean people are spending money in the economy. They are still contributing to businesses. Those businesses are, in theory, according to Fox News, spending that money to hire people. Yeah. And so on. And when you have those people stop spending that money because, you know, maybe they can't get their food stamps renewed now that they don't have an actual physical address. Or their spending priorities have shifted dramatically to what can fit in a shopping cart. Like, the thing of it is, is at this point, all of these people are being removed from these you know, flows of capital, of commodities, of labor. They are no longer fulfilling, you know, money, money, you know, 
MCM, CMC loops, those, you know, those people are being largely removed from those loops. And the economy can only take so much of that before things go bad. And given, given the current situation, I'm not sure the economy can take this. And this is yeah. this is what's got us freaked out. Okay. This is this is why this is bad. This is why we posted that brief little thread on Twitter about how this is going to tear through the economy like a cannonball. And yeah. you know, unpack that metaphor for a little bit because most people probably think, oh, cannonball flies out of cannon, hits things, things blow up, the end. But you know, actually historically the way cannons worked was against, you know, anything that wasn't a stone wall was quite a bit more horrific because you had a this iron or stone ball the size of your chest that would just keep flying around and bouncing and skipping and picking up momentum and just generally like leaving a bloody swath of people parts in their wake yeah and they were also a bit unpredictable too as far as which way they would go once they start hitting the ground and skipping and bouncing and you know doing their thing Mm. like this is ah Oh my god. I just... Yeah. I don't... I don't know how else to say this. I don't know how else you could say this either. I mean, it's just... <sighs> the throwing a record number of people out in the street who, by the way, will be geographically concentrated in states and localities that do not have COVID-related eviction protections. So this isn't just going to be like, suddenly there's 2 million more homeless people evenly distributed across the United States of America. This is going to be more like specific parts of the United States of America are going to have dramatically more people suddenly living in tents. Yeah. And at this point, like the, like the, uh, the whole thing, the whole premise of, oh, we can just, you know, once we have the vaccine, we'll be able to like, you know, return to normal and everything will work out. The economy will recover this year. Um, We'll have some rough patches, but, you know, America will be saved by Joe Diamond Joe Biden. All of that, all of that was predicated on the supply chain slowly returning to normal and no other shocks. None. Yeah, like this is if this was the only black swan careening towards the economy, we would be in trouble. Yeah. Under healthy 
economic conditions. This would be a disaster. Yeah. This is like minimum 1% of the population being rendered homeless. Being rendered homeless in concentrated areas at that. Yeah. I just... So, yeah. <laughs> the Yeah, we... I think, like, at this point, like, we did release it almost a month ago at this point. Apologies for that, by the way. Things have just been very fun for this past month for the crew for a variety of reasons. But, you know, we gave that as sort of our prognostication of, okay, we think it's very likely that we're going to be firmly in Great Depression territory in the near future. This all sort of goes from very likely to, yes, it's happening. We can give you a date. It will be at some point early 2022. You're willing to put down a date? Um, I am willing to go so far as first quarter. I could see it. I could absolutely see it. Quarter four. Like, that'll be when. Oh my god, quarter Sorry. four is gonna be brutal. Oh yeah. No. Oh. Oh. Fuck just, me. There's just wait until the retail, retail season. Mm-mm. Yeah, just wait until them retail numbers come in. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> we really are damned. Yeah, so... We are the meme. I'm in danger. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where we are. Like, unfortunately, like, this is what happens when shit keeps happening. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, all of, you know, the pre- the inability to deal with the long crisis... You know, sooner or later, we're just going to have to pay the blood price. That's what we're talking about here. It's, this is going to be horrible. And, and what's so really fucking perverse about all of this is the serious, high-minded, smart people that get paid stupid amounts of money to pontificate at the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post and the mm-hmm. New York Times to say the most utterly banal, stupid, and obvious garbage imaginable. Sometimes all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Have been insisting for, well, my entire lifetime anyway, that modest incremental reform is not even acceptable. And now we're in a place where we actually need a dramatic overhaul because we haven't been doing all that regular maintenance and upkeep that we should have done for about four fucking decades. Now they're going, okay, maybe we should, like, tighten the valve and check out the carburetor instead of going, yeah, there's, like, a plume of smoke coming from where the engine used to be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, does 
this big spray of green and brown liquid all over the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Like, just speaking personally here for a minute, mm-hmm. part of my advocacy for, like, you know, anti-capitalist revolutionary solutions is largely from going, right, so we need XYZ to be in a place that's called We Don't Kill the Biosphere. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do to get from point A to point B? Oh, all that? Well then, let's saddle the fuck up. Yeah, I mean, it's like, at this point, the only way to fix this is to kill capitalism. And... (laughs) Because capitalism refused to be fixed. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's gone from, you know, the system cannot be reformed as, like, you know a banal truism about how we can't expect the system to fix itself, but, like, it's not going to fix itself. That's just the material reality of it. There is is no material impetus to get them to actually fix it, because why would there be? Like, the changes required are so drastic now that you might as well just throw out capitalism. And yeah. they'll accuse you of doing exactly that if you try anyway. <laughs> you might that, as well. Actually, kind of, hmm? yeah. <laughs> and that kind of gets us to, you know, just some brief words on, well, what can you do since it looks like shit's gonna be going to hell in a handbasket in a lot of ways when you're not like trying to avoid the new gilead like secret police that are popping up in texas and south dakota and florida and wherever the hell else is deciding to go yes we are going to not only ban abortion we're gonna do it by vigilante mob Mm -hmm. yeah i mean One more thing that's going to be driving mass migrations over the next year. Yeah. So, yeah, what was to be done? Well, for one, I mean, we're totally down with eviction defense. We've talked about eviction defenses before. Now it kind of may be an interesting situation where there's going to be lots of spontaneous eviction defense happening yeah like uh we joked about um wildcat eviction defense on the pre-show and uh, uh, quite honestly i think that that's that's gonna be what we end up getting because i mean not to disparage you know the work that everyone's put in thus far but it's like that's that's what's on the table right now is you know we're not gonna have time to set up anything further we're just we're just gonna have to do it there people are just going to have to do it because you know they got this gun to their head of you know you don't own your apartment some landlord fuck does and they're going to kick you all out on the street. So, 
Oh, and they're gonna debt slave you forever. And you know, even if you do find a place, you know, they're going to charge you out the ass. So, like, you might as well fight back. I mean, that's yeah. just the calculus. That's just especially because we might see situations where it's not just going to be individual households mm-hmm. being evicted on the block. It might be the whole street, thanks to certain holding companies like BlackRock or your entire building. Yeah. Like, and like the other thing is we're intentionally leaving aside everything else that's housing related just to cover this, but to briefly say something like some of the stuff I've seen in like Canada, um, have you seen those talk? The uh, your rent is now oh, your old rent was eight fifty. Now it's eighteen fifty. Um, but don't worry. By the law, we we just had to give you notice um, that it's <sighs> happening in three months. <laughs> but yeah, we can jack up your rent to like double, and there's not anything you can do about it. Like, I think we're going to see a good bit of that in a lot of places in the United States as well, where... Oh, yeah. Like, not not in my state, um, where, thankfully, they kind of banned that stuff, more or less, but... Oh, my God. Like, they're going to decide, I think, that... Now is the time to finally jack up the rent on everyone. And given a lot of the shifts post-2008, it's... The increases is going to be brutal. Like, you know, you can, you can forget about finding an apartment without roommates. Like, that bad. Yeah. This is going to get very very messy so prepare for that eviction defense is going to probably not just be a thing it's going to be a really intense thing and related to that get in touch with your local mutual aid talk to your friends talk to your neighbors talk to your fucking neighbor's dog i don't care like now is the time to be doing this kind of reach out to other folks build these connections and get ready because we have just passed the last off-ramp to unavoidable catastrophe yeah and to robert's credit he did vote against it it's just you know lawyer brain (laughs) (laughs) fucking lawyer brain (laughs) Uh, he seems to be the only chud on the Supreme Court who is vaguely aware of this notion called, if I do things that are hilariously unpopular, draconian, or obviously bipartisan, like, obviously partisan, sorry, I mean bipartisan, partisan, you know, <laughs> what's the difference, really? But um, it all works out for the same party at the end anyway. But... um. <laughs> I bet, like, he was probably the only one who was like, you know, 
if I push this button too many times, I'm going to break it. Because, you know, how many divisions does the Supreme Court command? Oh, wait, zero. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the long and short of it. It's like... What... The only reason the, you know, the Democrats haven't cut the throat of the Supreme Court at this point is because they're too afraid of breaking norms. And to be fair, I mean, there is... There's something to be said for that. But, like, you know, risk attaches to every course of action. This is the Zhuang presidency. This is, you know, the land of forced moves. You don't... You don't get to you know, decide between bad and worse choices. You know, you don't get to refuse those, I mean. Like, it's all gonna suck. Yep. This is, these are all bad options, and from the perspective of the powerful, because they have refused the norm-shattering options that would at least reduce the actual social material crisis that's going on all around them and i will give like you know a tiny amount of credit to the democrats of you know historically speaking when somebody has tried to blow up the supreme court it either a backfired horribly c roosevelt in the late 1930s Mm -hmm. unfortunately or was shortly thereafter followed by a colossal national crisis because oh wait what happens when you nuke the supreme court you've kind of eliminated the thing that is necessary for resolving political disputes in a vaguely not shooting it out in the street fashion yeah like there there is a reason the judicial branch exists like they wouldn't have it if it didn't serve some purpose ultimately like yeah they they don't want to you know have rich executives dueling in the streets um we we've tried that it's <laughs> it's a fucking mess yeah so i guess that sort of is where we're at here is buckle up Please keep your hands, arms, and feet inside the ride at all times, though the ride may not give you a choice on that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and, you know, this is, this is where we're at. Like, you know, yeah. I don't like being right on this. I don't. I this... really don't. Being Cassandra sucks. (laughs) This is where we are. So yeah, this has been Chop Shop Economics. Also, by the way, we do have a Patreon. Chop Shop Economics at Patreon. Feels kind of shit to even bring that up in this episode, but you know. Yeah, but I mean, it pays our hosting cost, so. Yeah, and maybe someday we'll pay for more. But yeah, so this has been Chop Shop reading this shit so you don't have to Mm -hmm. though this time you really should read this shit yeah and you know like don't take our word for it just go look for yourself it's it's pretty bad 
you'll you'll yeah. get to crack ping yourself. It's <laughs> so. Well, yeah. Good luck, everybody. Bye, everyone.